at the heart of peace is another part that we need to have in our life. And sometimes I think we forget this. And uh, in fact, it surprised me uh, when I read through it and I was reading other material and different things. It's like, oh, that's really cool. Uh, one of those aha moments uh, you get from Scripture. But if you would, read with me John chapter 20. Start with verse 19. We'll go through verse 23. This is after the resurrection. So Jesus has gone through the crucifixion and he's uh, been to three days. He's risen. So listen to what it says in verse 19 through 23. It says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Rescued. When Jesus comes calling. This morning we're going to talk about the peace that rules the day. And we're talking about the peace that we have in our life. That the peace that only Jesus can give. That peace that surpasses all understanding, as the scripture says. Today's a cool day. Um, I always look forward to Sundays anyway, but I always love watching the church come alive. When I get here in the morning, I get to turn the lights on. Now when it's winter, it really makes a difference. This time of year, yeah, lights make a difference, but not as much. But I love watching the lights come on. I start music, and I'm sitting in my office listening to music and all those things. But then when people start coming in, it's watching people walk into the church, getting ready for worship. And today's even really kind of cooler. Um, we got guests with us today. Uh, we're going to have a baptism after a while uh, at the end. But these two guests, I've known one for a long time. Uh, it's just one of those ideas that when you think about it, maybe we take church for granted. Maybe, you know, we just come because we think we have to be here or, you know, it's just something we do. But one, uh, Sheila is here. Uh, just raise your hand. Sheila's here. She hasn't been in church since she's been 16 years old. To me, that's cool. Not, that's not cool, but it's cool you're here. It's cool you're here. Um, and it's one of those deals I just hope and pray that this is the start of a new story, you know, and a new part. Uh, and then also here is Sonia uh, from Europe. I said that right, correctly? She's the one that kind of blends in with the purple hair and the turquoise hair, you know. She's from Europe. This is the first time she's been in a U.S. church. Now, I wish I could get her up here to talk because I love listening to her accent. But she said, no way. Uh, but the cool part with that is, yes, this is her first time in the U.S. church, but she's also one year into recovery. And I ask permission to share that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know we got other, other guests. I love having people here um, for whatever reason. But, you know, sometimes I have to be reminded as to why we do what we do. You know, and sometimes I just hope and I pray that for one person that it's the start of a new end in their, for their life. And that's just all I can hope for. That's all I can pray for. Uh, it's, what about, it's about what we do as a church. 
And I hope all those things that come together for a church, and it's the start of a new end, the start of a new walk, the start of a new life with Christ, and all those aspects. And I hope all those things bring us a peace that surpasses all understanding, because we live in a world that I believe doesn't understand peace. I mean, we sang the song, the kids led us in a song that said, what a powerful name it is. What was that? The name of Jesus. You see, it's when Jesus comes calling, when Jesus enters into any life, into any situation, it changes everything because of who he is. Jesus gives his disciples three things in the text that we read. These men at this time in their life didn't have a peace. In fact, we're going to talk about that. So what did the disciples learn that day that could help us gain the peace that only Jesus can give? Back in 2008, Dr. Don Colbert wrote a book called Stress Less. Now, this is back in 2008, so let's fast forward to 2019, and I would probably say these statistics have probably gone up, to say the least, okay? He says this, he noted that 75 to 90% of all visits to primary care physicians was stress-related. Headaches, can't sleep. All those different things. This is what he knows. This is a doctor. He said Americans consume 5 billion tranquilizers, 5 billion barbiturates, 3 billion amphetamines, and 16 tons of aspirin every year. Now, this is back in 2008. He said much of this medicine is being taken to help alleviate stress or the resulting headaches and pain associated with stress. So I'm going to ask you this question. What causes stress? What causes all these things that he's talking about? Well, worry could be one. Could be fear. But what causes worry and fear? Worry and fear happen when there's something that is happening or can happen that I can't control. Maybe it's something in our jobs, our family, our health, our finances, our possessions, that you might lose one of them. Essentially, there's something that you can't control or you've lost control. Then all of a sudden, panic sets in. And all of a sudden, things are turned upside down and all these things are happening. And we just can't cope and we get these headaches and we're not sleeping. So we go to the doctor and we want the little medicine that will help us sleep, help us get through life. And that's what he's talking about. So understand stress, anxiety, and fear. That's how a lot of people react when they believe there's something in their lives they can't control. But in our text this morning, in verse 19, we're told that on the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews. The doors were locked. So these guys have watched Jesus go through all of his thing, through the, the crucifixion and all the things that happened, the trials, and he died and they buried him. And then Jesus goes, says, I want you to go here and wait for me. And they go and they go into this house and they lock the doors. I mean, they literally bar the windows. Why? Why were the doors locked? It's pretty simple. It's because they were afraid. They were afraid. So this is causing stress and all the different things that go on with it. But why were they afraid? Well, think about it. They had watched Jesus be put to death because these powerful, influential people, men in that day, wanted Jesus dead for a long time. They watched it happen. 
Now all of a sudden, Jesus is dead, and they don't know he's risen yet, and all those different things are going on. They're hiding in the house. They're locked up. They're huddled together because they fear that these same people who wanted Jesus dead was going to come after them, and it scared them. Was their fear real? It's possible. I would say so. I'm not going to say what you fear is the same things I fear. Okay, I know people are scared of heights. It didn't bother me to get up on a tall ladder. You know, I've obviously been up on this roof and got in trouble for it. It doesn't bother me. But for other people, getting three steps off of a ladder, they can't go any farther because it terrifies them. Okay? So what you fear doesn't mean something I'm going to fear. But the things I fear, you may not fear either. Okay? So we're understanding what this fear is. Someone once said, just because I'm paranoid doesn't mean someone's not out to get me. Okay, it's not one of those things. We may fear things we don't even realize. A lot of really dangerous and powerful people wanted Jesus dead. Now, these guys were scared. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He said, fear defeats more people than any other one thing in the world. There's a great song out. I can't remember who sings it that says, fear is a liar. And it's so true. So these guys are huddled in this house. They got the doors locked. They got the windows shut. They're all huddled together and they're scared for their life. But what happens in our story? Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, he gives them peace. Now you got to love this picture. You got to love this scenario. In fact, in John 14, 27, Jesus promised, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Don't be afraid of those things. In Matthew, he says this in Matthew eleven twenty nine. says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I mean, true rest. One of the major prophecies about the coming Messiah in Isaiah 9, 6 and 7 says this. Isaiah declares, And to us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, catch this, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and the peace, and of peace there will be no end. And that's why Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Folks, that's great truth. Those are great promises. That's great theology. That's great stuff. But just how exactly? I mean, how do we really lay hold of this peace? Well, I believe the answer to that question is part of the reason we're being told this story about the disciples in John 20. That's why Jesus takes the time to share this. They're not feeling the peace in their life right now. They're afraid and their lives have fallen apart. They don't know which way to turn. But then all of a sudden Jesus shows up. And Jesus does some things that changes their lives. Okay? That changes their lives. But catch this. It can change ours too. Notice the first thing Jesus does. Number one, he appears to them. And he says, peace be with you. Now, something else I love about this, he just doesn't say it once. 
He doesn't just walk into the room and say, oh, peace be with you. He says it twice. Jesus came and stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Now, some religious circles, this is a religious greeting, okay? It's just kind of a thing that they do. Even in the Muslim religion, when one Muslim passes another, they say, peace be unto you, and the reply will be, peace be also upon you. Okay, but that's not what this is here. This is not a simple greeting that Jesus has given to them. This is a declaration. Jesus is making a declaration to them. He is making a promise to them. Remember earlier in his earthly ministry, Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you may have tribulation, but take heart. Jesus, I have overcome the world. And that should give us this peace. That's what Jesus said back then. But now, in this story that we're talking about in this locked room, Jesus has come so that they can have that peace. It's like he's saying, peace is with you. It's not a peace that's going to come tomorrow. It's not going to come to peace if you do these things. He's saying, peace is with you right here, right now. But what exactly has Jesus done that would give them peace? Well, it's pretty simple. He was there with them. He came right into the middle of their stress. He came right into the middle of this situation. He came right into the middle, and you're probably sitting there thinking, well, yeah, if Jesus came right into the middle of my situation right now and all the things going on, I'd have the same peace. Why? Because it's Jesus. But understand, we can have this same peace. There's a true story of a woman who was suffering from depression. And she went to talk to her counselor. And here's her truly tragic tale. It says her daughter had been killed. Her husband was unfaithful. And now she began to believe uh, what she, was, she believed she was about to lose her job is what I'm trying to say. The counselor asked her, when the world crashes in on you, to whom do you go? After a long pause, she said, I guess I just go to myself. Later, she said that one word that almost described her was alone. She didn't have anybody who was truly there for her. So please understand this. We don't have to worry about that with Jesus because we have this promise in Hebrews 13, 5. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's there with us no matter what. I don't care if it's 2 in the morning or 5 in the morning. I don't care if it's in the middle of the afternoon. He is there with us. We have the promise that Jesus will never abandon us and that he will always be there for us. But the question is, do we believe that? Do we stand on that solid foundation? But even a lot of Christians have trouble with this because, I mean, Jesus appeared physically to these disciples, but he's never done that for us, has he? I mean, let's be truthful. He's never appeared to us physically in the same room with us he's never appeared physically and so the question arises how can i have his peace without his physical presence in our life well believe it or not it is possible that's what paul writes in philippians listen to what paul says in philippians 4 it says rejoice in the lord always again i will say it rejoice the lord is at hand do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. 
Then he says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, is there any excellence? If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have heard and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Understand what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that you don't have to see Jesus to know that he is there. Okay? That's a truth. That's basic truth. We don't have to be able to see Jesus to know he's there. So let me ask a question. How many of you in the last five minutes have taken more than two breaths? Hopefully all of you have. Okay? Because in three to six minutes, you're, you know. So let us know and we'll call the ambulance or the coroner, whichever we need to have. Did you see that air that you breathed? No. But we know it's there, right? How do we know it's there? Because it gives us life. It gives us life. We don't have to see Jesus know he's there. All you need to do is focus on what he has done in your life. Focus on what he's already accomplished. Rejoice in his blessings. And then you will be reminded of his power and his love. You'll know he's there and you'll have this peace. Someone once said, peace rules a day when Christ rules your mind. The second thing that Jesus did for his disciples, I want you to see, surprised me. This is one of those things I never thought of the fact. But before Jesus did this with Thomas, he did it with the other disciples. We're told here in John 20 that Jesus appears to the other disciples before he meets with Thomas. And it says, he showed them his hands and his side. So number two, Jesus shows us what he has done. Okay? He shows us what he has done for us. He shows the disciples. And he says, here, look at what I've done. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at my side. This is what I've done. I sacrificed myself. I died for your sins. I've died for all the things that you can have so you can have this peace that surpasses all understanding. Too often, many Christians forget that Jesus can do stuff for us. He can accomplish things in our life that certainly happened to the disciples. Many times, even after Jesus had done all kinds of miracles, the disciples had a problem believing Jesus could do other things. Remember Jesus in the New Testament where Jesus has all these people gathered and there's 3,000, 5,000 people and he feeds these people with a few loaves and a few fish. I mean, at one time there's over 3,000 people and they find this basket this boy has, and there's just a few loaves and a few fish in there. And he does this miracle, and he feeds thousands. Remember what happened afterwards? Jesus takes them across the sea, the lake, and they're there. And one of the guys goes, uh-oh, we forgot to bring some bread. And they start to worry. They actually begin to panic a little bit. And Jesus simply looks at them, and they, he says, really, guys? I just did this miracle where we fed thousands with a few loaves and a few fish. Now you're worried about a little bit of bread? I think Jesus looks at him and goes, really? Think about it, guys. He shows us what he can do. He shows us he has that power. The disciples began discussing among themselves, man, we brought no bread, oh no. When Jesus had already accomplished one of the greatest things. And Jesus gets upset with them. 
So to have his peace, the first thing we need to do is remember Jesus is always there for us. The second thing is to remember what he has done and can do, mighty things in our life. And number three, believe Jesus knows your name. But Jesus did one more thing to bring us peace. And I I do want you to understand, believe he knows your name. He knows every hair on our head. For some of us, that's easier job than others. Okay? But believe he knows your name. But listen to what he says in verse 21. He says, peace be with you. Okay? There's a period there. But it goes on. As the Father has sent me, even so... I am sending you. Okay, this is huge, guys. Did you catch it? At the heart of the peace Jesus gives us, he also gives us a commission. He gives us a job to do. You see, Jesus doesn't give us peace so we can sit around and watch a movie or go out to eat. Now, understand, there's nothing wrong with enjoying those things, going out to eat, going out to a movie, doing those things we like. But the thing is, too many people believe that Jesus gives them this peace so they can kind of drift through life and enjoy themselves and just do what they want to do. They think Christianity is about putting in an hour or two on Sunday, singing some songs, praying, take communion, hearing a sermon, and then they can go about their daily lives without getting too religious. Okay? That's what we believe Christianity is. But that's not the way it works. You remember Jesus saying in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Who knows what a yoke is? I mean, if you lived in a farming community and all that, it's just a piece of equipment, usually made of wood that had two hoops in it and you put the uh, ox's neck through it so they could pull together and work together to pull a plow or to pull something, Okay. But what it does is it shares the load between the two. That's what Jesus is asking us to do is take that yoke upon you. And he says, I'm not going to make it hard on you. I'm not going to make something that you can't handle and you can't do. But he says, you have this job that I want you to do. How does this work? I mean, really, how does this work for us to take the yoke upon ourselves to share this work? There's been times in my years of ministry that I can look back on. In fact, I, I sat and did this this week, uh, specifically for this sermon. And I thought back of the times I've been asked to do funerals for people that kind of blew me out of the water. You know, I was asked to do, I remember in Newmarket, one of my first big funerals was for a police officer that died of cancer. And it was going to be at our church. And as guys are pulling in, I knew it was going to be big, but over 150 police officers from all over the state of Indiana filed into our church. And it's like, oh, holy cow. I've done weddings for people where I've had state representatives in attendance that were actually friends of mine through other things. And I'm hobnobbing with these people. And I'm thinking, I'm pretty important, you know. Or I'm really cheap, one, you know. I've been asked to testify in the state of Illinois House Senate for EMS and fire things. Uh, to get things passed, to do it more than once. And I know when I stand up before people, especially at funerals and those times of need, or I go to hospitals, and you've heard me share these stories where I get these calls at 2 in the morning. I remember one family from Hayworth and Leroy, and I had done some weddings for their family and done some funerals for their families, and all of a sudden they hit this patch of, you know, 
this family member committed suicide, and then just a few weeks later, this family committed suicide, and then they actually had a, a, a cousin that I got called for two in the morning that had been stabbed by a boyfriend and died, so I went to the ER, all these pleas and all these things, and I was supposed to stand up and, you know, teach them, but then through all that, I get the opportunity to baptize several of them. You know, I say all that to say this, that we share this load, we share this idea. And I'm going to tell you right here, right now, as honored as I was when I stood before these people and these crowds to do these things that I was honored to do, I was nervous. And there's a lot of times I'd stand in my office and one of my elders would come in and we'd pray together just to give me that strength to get through and do all these things. But I was also proud that they thought enough of me and they trusted me with this important task. But the question that is before us right now is this. Will you do what needs to be done? To do what Jesus is asking us to do. That for us to have this true peace that surpasses all understanding. He says, I'm sending you. I'm giving you this peace. Now most of us sitting here are Christians. But I want you to understand that even though we're sitting here this morning, and maybe we're sitting here every Sunday, maybe this is your first time in American church or been in a church for a long time, you can actually sit here and say, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. But I also want you to understand, peace can be difficult for even the most dedicated believer. But the key of letting hold of the peace that Jesus can give us is understanding, number one, Jesus is there for us. Jesus is there for us. Believe that he has done great things for us in the past and he's going to do great things for us in the future. And I want you to believe that Jesus knows your name. He knows your name. He knows everything about you. And like I said earlier, Peace can be difficult for even the most dedicated believer. Maybe we don't admit it. Maybe we don't. Maybe we don't want to believe our religious leaders, the minister, the elders, the deacons, you know, those guys are supposed to have it all together, never struggle with this. Can I tell you we do? I'll, be, I'll, I'll admit, I've been on medication because of things going on in ministry. I'll admit I burned out. I had such an anxiety attack one time, I thought I was having a heart attack. I sat in my office for a couple hours trying to get it to, to break, but it just overwhelmed me. So I called a paramedic friend of mine that lived right behind me and I called him, I said, you need to come check me out. Went to the doctor, I sat in the doctor's office, laid in the doctor's office for four hours. While he monitored me, he says, if this doesn't break in the next 10 minutes, you're going to the hospital. It happens. It happens. It doesn't change what God thinks of me. But it changes everything when I understand what God can and will do for me. Do we have that peace? Do we truly know the peace that only God can offer? Do we truly know the peace that gets us through day by day? hour by hour, minute by minute? Do we truly know the peace that surpasses all understanding that when nothing else makes sense, we look back and say, wow, it truly was Jesus. 
You see, this morning, I want you to know that the only time we can have this true peace is by knowing the true Savior, by accepting who Jesus is in our life and accepting him as our personal Lord and Savior and doing what he asked us to do, that he gave us the example of doing by stepping out in faith and saying, I accept him as my personal Lord and Savior, being baptized with him, because the scripture says it's through that baptism we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's that Holy Spirit that is in us that helps with that peace. And that's the only way we know this true peace.